0: Thanks for tuning in to this lecture on cyberbullying by me, Dr. Ravi Chandra. For more lectures in this series of 2019, go to ravichandramd.com or sflovedojo.org. Thank you. So, thank you again for uh, joining me here for the week seven of the uh, SF Love Dojo Fall 2019 lecture series. But I have to say it's not the year 2019. It is 15 AF after Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Facebook was founded in 2004 and we're only 15 years into the dawn of the age of social networks but almost 70 percent of Americans, teens and adults, are on social media from Instagram to TikTok to Twitter, to Snapchat, to Ravelry, to the granddaddy of them all, Facebook. Uh, there are almost three and a half billion people worldwide on social media, half the world's population. Facebook users alone, almost two and a half billion, uh, would comprise the largest country on Earth if gathered together, the largest religion, more bigger than the Catholic Church, and more numerous than all the Christians worldwide. So it's, it's a big religion. And I do call it in my book, Face Buddha, I call, I say tongue half in cheek, that social media is not just a medium. It is a new religion. The tweet is our call to prayers. We thumb our phones like rosaries, and I'm doing it right here. We say grace by, se- by taking food pics. The status update is our sermon on the mount. The selfie is our personal anointment and beatification. Facebook Messenger is our messiah. The Apple Store is our modern cathedral, our silicon sanctuary. New emoji are released to the fanfare of a new pope. So where is this new religion taking us? We're, we're doing all these things every day, and integrating. Uh, these rituals are integrating into our everyday life uh, so deeply. Um, So what happens to our minds and hearts especially as we try to connect online and what happens to our world? These are the questions I explored in my book Face Buddha. Uh, In 2012 when I when I started writing the book, I was at once thrilled with the possibilities of connection online and disenchanted with much of what I saw the polarization the superficiality the narcissism, and my own reactions to seeing the highlight reels of other people's lives. At times I felt dissatisfied, lonely, envious, disconnected, and ambivalent. I was face-bivalent. Using the Buddhist tools of mindfulness, compassion, and relationship, and exploring the psychological research literature, I tried to understand exactly what was happening in my own mind, and in the space between us. As we migrate online, we are experiencing culture shock, similar to what sociologists have described about the process of moving to a new country. In the first stage, we have curiosity, experimentation, exploration, uh, exuberance even. And uh, in the second stage, we might develop ambivalence, dissatisfaction, and frustration. In the third stage, we adjust to the new medium, we adapt, or we resign to the limits of the environment. Uh, In step four, we might exit, deactivate our apps, uh, and log out, and we could cycle through these stages again and again, and and typically, many people do this. So, um, I, I write in my book, we are who happens to us and what we make of the happening. And there's an Ubuntu proverb, which I've mentioned before, people become people through other people. We are social beings. Our identities are absolutely interdependent with others. Communicating online can be fun, exciting, convenient, and intimate in its own way. But we lose the stabilizing qualities of presence when we communicate on screen with text and image. We become distorted and sometimes reactive. Without tone of voice, facial expression, body language, and other subtle cues, we erode our social awareness and connection. Our social beings, our social brains are at risk uh, in the age of the internet, even as we try to connect to more people online and the world seems to get smaller. So I don't I know that social media is not all bad or all good but it definitely has uh qualities of that are good and qualities that are bad and we have to contend with both to make the right choices uh certainly there are people even young people who uh particularly from minority groups or uh feeling discrimination etc and they can find communities online and and uh find a way to express themselves so that's not bad that's good but i think You know, we're deeply wired to be social beings. And I think there's some, as I said, there's something that's deeply destabilizing about the ways we connect online. Um, So that's my main concern. Uh, All too often, this disconnected form of communication leads to cyber dysregulation and cyber disinhibition. We become detached from our bodily experience and our thoughts can take flight We type things online that we would never say face to face. We think thoughts and then put them into action on a screen, uh, which we would never do in person, almost never. Um, We can lose control. Anger and hostility are more viral than the happiness or joy, and that's been shown by research. While anger is unavoidable and perhaps even necessary in life, it can only be resolved with compassion and connection in the real world. Uh, I think think compassion and connection can only really happen face-to-face and in community uh, and in relationship. Online, it's more likely that we feed hate spirals and what's been called the outrage industrial complex, which includes much of what various media outlets also feed us. Our online worlds and our inner worlds can quickly become toxic. We suffer and can cause others to suffer. Now cyber bullies are often called perpetrators, but they're often victim perpetrators. Hurt people who hurt other people out of their pain. Trolls, uh, what's called trolls, uh, are frequently cyber sadists. They get pleasure out of seeing people react to their, uh, to their bad behavior and cruelty, so. Um, so Roxanne Gates, uh, uh, a, a very uh, well-known writer, uh, says it feels necessary to highlight the intensity, constancy, and breadth of harassment black queer women deal with online. So there are particular groups, I think particularly women, women of color, who have to deal with uh, uh, really negative comments from uh, toxic males, usually, in their environment, But but I think This can happen uh, in in youth especially. Kids, uh, you know, social connections become so important and there's such a danger uh, at that age of uh, being bullied online or or being uh, kind of in this mean circle that uh, just feeds on itself. Um, And I've frequently gotten toxic and insulting comments when I write about racism or sexism for my Psychology Today blog. Uh, But of course this doesn't compare to the violent words uh, that, that uh, particularly women of color uh, get when they raise these issues. Um, it's a really horrible emotional load to carry and one of the ways that racism, sexism, homophobia and tribalism get reinforced online. So Roxanne Gay chooses to clap back and engage with the trolls, but it's really up to us as individuals who, uh, to decide who we need to be in the real world and in the online world. As a therapist, I think that the deepest wound at the core of suffering is disconnection. This disconnection can lead to insecurity, isolation, power imbalances, misunderstanding, and loss of empathy. Disconnected people can react with fear or hostility. They can try to exert power over others. Uh, Some people feel the need to exert power through cyberbullying and harassment, and ultimately, I think any remedies for this problem involve caring for all affected individuals and helping them find connection and belonging and really stabilizing each other uh, in the real world. We have what's called an open limbic loop. We're deeply sensitive to the emotions and moods of other people. Uh, you know, just being in the same room. With someone can affect your blood pressure uh, and, and uh, hormonal uh, balance and so forth. So, so we we are deeply, uh, you know, we're not really, uh, uh, you know, just individuals. We are interdependent individuals, and we're sensitive. Uh, and so, so finding that uh, stabilizing presence uh, in the real world is so important. So, disconnection leads to alienation, self-centeredness, and nihilism a total lack of relatedness and concern about our connection, which to my mind is a totally delusional state. As I said, we are all connected. And working on how we relate to ourselves and others is central to overcoming suffering. So disconnection lies at the root of suffering, and the opposite of suffering is belonging. And it's always a process to get towards belonging. Our wounds speak and sometimes wound. We touch wounds with our words, but as the Buddha said, better than a thousand hollow words is one word that brings peace. Now, I write film reviews primarily for an a- Asian American film festival. Recently, I wrote some reviews of groundbreaking Asian American rom-coms, but I embedded these in an analysis of Asian American gender relations. Since I've largely been off social media, I really didn't realize how quite how heated and polarizing this issue was. Uh, my bad. Um, I posted my article in a secret Facebook group for Asian American media activists and was immediately attacked by someone who confessed she hadn't really read my article, but she still accused me of misogyny, entitlement, and essentially feeding a gender war, which was not at all what I'm about or what I had written. Uh, it became clear that she had misread the opening anecdote. and and then turned to all these ideas, kind of pre pre preformed conceptions about what this topic meant to her as a woman. Now, I felt scapegoated, blamed, gaslighted, and bullied. To make matters worse, this private exchange leaked out of the secret group and caused my blog post to be pulled down and affected several real-world relationships. And this was the most distressing event in my personal life in some time. It took several weeks of intensive writing, thinking, communicating with friends face-to-face, and daily meditation to recover. Uh, I mean, overall, it's not that bad, though. I mean, actually, last summer, uh, what I call Rage Twitter tried to cancel the Dalai Lama. So, I mean, we've reached, we have reached a new low uh, last summer, um, but the turning point for me was generating compassion for the person who attacked me online. I recognized that I had touched a very deep wound without being completely clear on the extent of this wound. This wound caused misreading, stereotyping, and reactivity. And this was all in an attempt to exert power and enforce a defensive rather than connecting perspective. And I think that was, you know, to be fair, I think it's her was her way of trying to create safety for herself and others, but in a way that made me feel very unsafe and uh, really Uh, did not, uh, you know, it it required me to do a lot of inner work and I wish, you know, she had done some inner work uh, about this. I mean, that's, you know, I haven't uh, really communicated with her since then, but but when we are wounded, and threatened. Any of us might feel that we have to win by shouting down and overpowering anyone who disagrees. And that, that can happen so easily online. And, and these disruptions can happen in person, too. But at least in the real world, you know, you, you tend to see the person again, you can you can see the, that the person is not just this or that moment of uh, text and image, uh, but there's a deeper person there. So I think that's, that's a different quality. Now I, I showed this diagram before in one of my talks, and, and this is, uh, I, this is what, uh, to uh, kind of elucidate Uh, this cycle of trauma that we can engage in and I think this is especially important online. So we're all born with a sense of common humanity. We're all you know, we're all born in bodies, we breathe air, we have some quality of relationships with the people around us Um, and you know, depending on our own personal factors that we're born with and also uh, our relationships, we can uh, magnify uh, what is an underlying condition for human beings, which is being uncertain. We're all uncertain. We're all fundamentally insecure. Uh, We all have vulnerability. Life is precarious for all of us. We don't know what's going to happen next. Where is life going to take us? What's going to happen? But we develop relationships with self and other, uh, and we develop wounds uh, through disconnections with others and with ourselves as well. Um, and this can uh, lead to trauma, uh, real or perceived trauma, personal or communal trauma of disconnection. And uh, one side of the red side of this uh, is what I call the trauma cycle, which is uh, all these emotions of mistrust, avoidance, reactivity, shame, blame, scapegoating, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, being pushed inside of ourselves, uh, trying to win antagonistically, you know, trying to uh, uh, being caught in win-lose cycles as, as opposed to trying to find a win-win. Now, uh, now, this is not all bad. Sometimes it's necessary to exert power and to, to react and so forth to create that control and safety in a situation. But uh, on the other side of this kind of golden side here, uh, you have a cultivation of trust and uh, friendliness and compassion for self and other, and also a s- increasing stability of identity and relationship. And I think this leads to a gradual uh, sense of interdependent, connected identity and belonging. Um, but this is a parallel process. So we can we can go uh, we can feel either of these when these wounds emerge, when those seeds of our trauma are activated by our experiences. Um, but uh, but we with help and with relationship, we can uh, progress further and deepen as individuals. Um, So, uh, But engaging in that trauma cycle uh, can pull us into war with people, and that happens so much online. I mean, so much of uh, Twitter especially, which I call our auxiliary amygdala, is like a constant state of war. Um, and uh, William Stafford, a poet and conscientious objector in World War II, wrote, every war has two losers. I mean, I think, you know, uh, everybody loses, everybody loses uh, in, in war. And uh, there's a Buddhist saying, the world is divided into those or who are right. You can be right or related, right or happy. Um, so, so that quality of being, we're more than our opinions, but online, we just need, feel like we need to you know, overpower people with our opinions. You know, and it's it's I think so different. That's why I think there's so much difference between online Twitter opinion versus real world opinion. Real world opinion is not as polarized as Facebook and Twitter, uh, and, and but online opinion tends to tends to go all you know to the extremes of the spectrum. Um, so I have just these words of advice in the digital realm. Don't become someone's fight buddy. Create online boundaries when you need to by muting people and so forth, disengage or log out when you feel emotionally overwhelmed, find peace and connection online and in the real world whenever you can and wherever you can. Ultimately, I think to be a force for kindness online in the IRL and in the in the real world IRL that's what IRL means and start by being kind to yourself um, You know, I think uh, noticing when you get overwhelmed by online uh, Activities and finding connection if you're a child or a youth finding an adult you can trust to talk to about these things um, about, about your online experience is so important. If you're a parent, talk to your children about their online experiences and, and see where, they're, uh, where, where they might be having difficult emotions uh, with, with, their, with their online world. So um, to, to think further, to use mindfulness, compassion, and relationship to understand what's happening when you venture online. To learn the skills of self-compassion and self-care, I think, are essential, uh, and also to try to generate at least a seed of compassion for the difficult people in your life. Uh, Again, ask for help and help each other. If you're a youth, certainly help each other when you have difficulty. Um, And uh, I have resources on my website, facebuddha.co. and uh, RavichandraMD.com. Uh, but uh, on facebuddha.co, um, there are these uh, 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 images which you can use when you log out or take a break from social media uh, to, uh, to, to just let, first of all, to remove any stigma. We all have mental health needs. I mean, mental health is something common to all human beings. Um, And we all need to take mental health breaks. Uh, Some people take vacation or a day off from work because they need a mental health day. But we need days off from social media as well. And so I suggest using something like this just to also tell people that their mental health is important and your mental health is important. And these are the ways Uh, of restoring your reservoir, which is getting out in the real world, meeting with friends, uh, doing things uh, to replenish yourself, uh, being in nature and so forth. Um, So I'm really hoping that the youth of 15AF will eventually be known as Generation Compassion. Um, So uh, the youth and adults. uh, So I hope that that we can turn the corner around all the toxicity online and in our real world and uh, really work towards deeper relatedness with with each other. So thank you very much, and I can take any questions you have. All right. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So when did MySpace come? Because that was before Facebook. Oh, was yes, right? that was my, I think that was a late, like 98 or something. I'm not sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Just- well, and that's right. And Facebook could well disappear too. I mean, you know. Oh, I don't think MySpace never had success that Facebook yet. Right, that's true, but uh, but this this idea that, uh, you know, one of my friends, when I started writing about social media said, social media is here to stay, we have to be involved, uh, and, and our kids will have to be involved, and that may be true, on a, on a global basis, there may be social media, but you always have choice about how you engage, and there may also be government Uh, uh, things that government does to step in and regulate this online world which makes it hopefully safer for for youth especially uh, and for vulnerable groups and for our democracy I think that's you know something uh, something that's really uh, concerning right now Um, so maybe maybe social media will be there in some form but it it, it really depends on um, on uh, both ourselves as individuals and uh, larger uh, uh, organizations to guide how we use them. and Government. How many people do you think actually puts up that thing on top of the what What's in your mind today? If you look at it, uh-huh. the ones that do sign it are people from out of town that's moved into our area, mm-hmm. or somebody that had a divorce recently and they're feeling that they don't have any friends. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, I don't see, see that many people really interacting in there, other well, than a few comments here okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I don't know, I think this differs. Uh, there's some people who have a lot of friends and so there's, the newsfeed gets to be constant. And you know, some people, some people just completely block the newsfeed. You can do that on Google Chrome browser, for example, block the newsfeed entirely. And then just, then you can just check or you can hide people. Uh, and not see them on your uh, on the newsfeed uh, uh, at all, and then you can just check on people when you want to. So that's another way. So there are all these ways of adapting to the online world. Uh, I, I wish they would set it up so that you could on, on your newsfeed you would only get uh, information from news outlets or from groups that you're in. So to make like we have messenger. For individual communications, maybe we should have us an app that's just for the groups. And so I think these are ways that people can, uh, you know. So it's not so much about. Uh, I think one of the psychological problems of the newsfeed is social comparison, and also people ranting about things. Um, so so if we could somehow reduce that, uh, I think I think our social uh, our mental health would be much better. Uh, and then of course just uh, not. You know really identifying political ads and so forth um, because that's that's a real problem yes so um so you just asked a question about people seeking support online and i think this is a mixed bag uh, and people certainly do it and uh you know i think that uh you know in some ways exposing for example mental health or physical health issues online can remove stigma uh, and uh, you know i think that can be good but the studies that i've seen show that uh, while Individuals with particular illnesses, for example, do find a sense of support online. Um, those who are uh, uh, actually, uh, who have, uh, especially those who have uh, difficult attachment histories, so they already have problems in their family relationships, etc., um, they, uh, they tend to, uh, uh, when they look for help online, they tend to come away disappointed and they feel like they're a burden to others. So this is so it's not all it's not a, a pure you know uh, you know positive. I think it, it really varies. And supposedly the people who are quote unquote rich, those who have good attachment histories, tend to do better online. And uh, those who have a more anxious attachment or a insecure attachment, they tend to be more dissatisfied with the online experience, which makes sense, you know because of those those wounds that are circulating in that trauma cycle, et cetera. So, so, you know, here, uh, we're listening to each other. We're looking at each other. Uh, Online, you're never sure, did people see my post? You know, who didn't respond? Or maybe you don't like the way people respond. And so it can be very, you know, fractious. And then you see other people getting a lot more support or a lot more engagement. And so we're dependent on the algorithm for uh for our social interactions and sometimes the algorithm doesn't favor us Uh, you know we don't know how the algorithm is working so i think face to face is the best algorithm for uh, for really resolving our suffering um so yeah so i hope that answers your question Uh, i mean you know so i think yeah i would be very uh you know it's a mixed bag seeking help online The microphone off, but I've got it on that. So <laughs> yeah, I'll switch it off. Are those those people—they're very popular. They're almost like celebrities, and you see them; they write poems, and, they, and so some 20 people react to them on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to watch. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's the other thing. Sometimes people do that. They'll they'll be provocateurs just to see what the reactions are around their group, and they kind of get some. Uh, feeling out of that you know um, so I don't know. Uh, of course they're going to get a lot of admiration they do all this stuff and so there's 20 people they're going to crazy them and you know, it, it works out. <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. kind of fun to see how everybody's reacting to them. It can be but I mean I was enthused uh, by the online experience for 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 a good while too, especially Asian American community, see what people's opinions are across the whole country, about Lin Sanity, for example. So that was exciting. But uh, but you know, I think uh, that was short lived as I started to notice the downsides. Yeah. Yeah. Well Jeremy really made it was like national news. Right, right, right. It right. was nice to communicate with people about a positive thing. Um, it gets harder if we're dealing with difficulty to really deal with it online. But you know, he's renting his place from somebody who used to come to our church. And so, they're all talking about church. And it's my tenant. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of cute, okay. um, All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yes. All right.